Is there a question? No. Shall I just go? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Okay, we don't lose a match, either we win or we learn. And today we learn. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0. Bambi on ice. It'll be very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markstone. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope that if you've been here before, you kind of at this point know what to expect. This is um, fairly consistent, fairly reliable, uh, although I am developing a bad habit of going on long rants and not really asking any questions of the guests, but I'll work on that. But you know what you're going to get. And at this point, we're kind of that way with Southampton as well. Um, We know that we have the potential to play well and not score or play poorly and not score. We generally just don't score. Of course, this week we did have the added spice of some pretty poor refereeing and VAR decisions, but we'll get to that. But uh, back to the consistency stuff, Um, you might as well just call us Deal Sheet FC because it took yet another deal sheet to get a transfer over the line on deadline day to see uh, Minamino come in from Liverpool. We also sent Long down the road to Bournemouth for the rest of the season, and Minamino comes in on loan. Uh, to help us out. But it obviously was not the signing we thought we were going to get. It was not Ainsley Maitland-Niles. It was not Billy Gilmore. It was uh, not Tanganga uh, or the plethora of other players that we thought we were going to get to strengthen um, our fullback position. So I don't know how Minamino feels about playing as a fullback, but hopefully he'll be ahead of Musa Gineppo on the death chart. And by the way, Valerie left as well. Um, so we have all kinds of things to discuss. I'm recording this just after the the announcement of Minamino and Long and all that stuff. And it was, um, if you followed along all day on, on transfer deadline day, it was a long day for you. Um, but it's honestly just one of those times I'm glad I have a job and a time delay, which means I can't uh, pay attention to it all because it would just drive me nuts. But anyway, joining me to recap the loss to Aston Villa uh, talk about some transfers and everything else is Lucy Hynett. We recorded on Sundays so before any of this craziness happened. Um, but as always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the show and uh, we'll talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Lucy Hynett. You can find her on Twitter at Lucy Hynett. Uh, Lucy, hello. Welcome. Uh, not not the best result, not the best week, um, but how are you? I'm all right, thank you. I think uh, we've both hopefully finally calmed down after the controversies of yesterday. But um, no, all good. Um, kind of getting getting grips with lockdown again, which is always great fun. Um, and just really excited to be back on. Oh, well, I appreciate your time coming on. And I know 
the the message I get from people is I say, like, you know, whenever whenever it works for you, we can do it. And everybody just kind of goes like, we're not doing anything <laughs> because if we can't, we literally can't do anything. And it's like, I'm sorry, you know, um, but we just had our stay at home order lifted in California. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't think anybody was following it anyway. Uh, so we'll see how this all goes as it plays out. Um, and yeah, you, you mentioned calming down after, after the game yesterday. I think a lot of us were, were, were riled up and I just messaged you that I was just like tired. Like that exhausted me watching that and feeling that way. And, and I try not to, to go on these huge swings and try to stay level, but it was yesterday was frustrating and we're recording Sunday, Sunday evening, UK time. So we've had about 24 hours to 22 hours to like, let it, let it wash over us. But, um, not, not the best, um, especially because we'll come on to it, but I thought yesterday we played better than we've played in, in, in some time and we were denied the result. And that doesn't feel, doesn't feel good. But then I have to remind myself that we, we played pretty, not poorly, but we didn't create a lot of chances and we were outperforming, uh, our, our XG and all that stuff early in the season, we were getting results. So maybe it evens out, but it doesn't feel like that because, uh, for, for a number of reasons, but before we do any of that, do you have any saints in your, in your fantasy team still? No, I sold Adam this week. Um, Calvert-Lewin, that didn't really make any difference. It's just one point for two points. Uh, but no, I haven't got any more. Any, I think kind of since our drop in form, I kind of haven't really bothered with them from an FPL perspective. It's painful enough watching them not do so well without adding kind of FPL points to, to the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I have McCarthy still, but um, he's now on the bench. And probably if I, if, I have room, if I have a free transfer that I don't need somewhere else, he'll probably go to make room... Uh, salary room for somebody. Uh, so we'll see, but, uh, yeah, it's a big change when I started with three of them in the lineup and, and had them all starting for a number of, uh, for most of the season. And then, as you said, we, we drop in form, they go away. Um, but it made, a, made yesterday a little bit easier to take cause I do have Jack Grealish. I apologize to everybody. Um, but anyway, yeah, I have Martinez. It's the worst 10 points I think I've ever had. Yeah. I also have Martinez, um, <laughs> and Watkins. Um, What's yeah yeah so yeah um but let's talk very briefly just um because i think watching us play arsenal i think that game was hard to watch i just as you said uh, earlier before recording you just didn't think we were very good and and we didn't look good we looked tired we looked sluggish um it just wasn't a very good performance and and after that match looking ahead to aston villa i didn't really feel confident going into that um, but, but I guess what was, can you give me a brief summary of how you felt just post Arsenal match before we hosted Villa at St. Mary's? Uh, well, first of all, I was seizing that Cedric could put in his probably best ever St. Mary's performance against us. I spent that, like, you know, the, the pre-match being like, Haha, Cedric, he's so bad. He's playing off the left. He's just terrible. Oh, that's at least an opportunity for us. And, and then he puts in an absolute blinder. So, so that wasn't great. And I think um, all of the vulnerabilities I was worried about about that Arsenal game kind of came to fruition. They targeted our wings really effectively. Um, I thought Saka looked particularly good for Arsenal. Um, and yeah, I think it did put me on a little bit of a worry about this um, Villa game, especially with Walker Peter still out. Mm-hmm. Um, the real worry was your FPL player Grealish. Um, just because he, you know, he's one of the best players in the league, I think. Um, so certainly outside the, outside the, the big teams. Um, and 
having no real sort of cover at right back, um, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, that was, I think, probably my main worry. Um, and then, of course, kind of our inability to score goals, as I'm sure we'll come on to as well, um, was the kind of the problem at the other end, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so before the Arsenal match, I tweeted, please attack their left-hand side as much as possible, run at him, off him, and to his back post. Thanks. Um, so that was cool. And then, mm-hmm. as you said, Cedric just did uh, what I've very rarely ever seen him do. Um, and I followed that up with a little brief warning here. This is why I shouldn't talk about players. Cedric having his best ever match at St. Mary's. Um, yeah, what, a, what a mess that was. Um, and, and yeah, I, and I think going into, and I think with, with Walker Peters still out coming into the game, whoever is going to be at right back, which I thought it was going to be Diallo, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. Um, I thought it was going to be a real problem. Um, I, I think the idea of Grealish running at Valerie would be bad, uh, but I think um, I, I think there are a number of issues, and there's no w- real win for Ralph there. Um, and, and I wonder what that conversation was like between Ralph and and JWP. Whether it's you know I, I don't know what we'll, we'll see here, but um, yeah, I wasn't filled with confidence. And then, as you said, the, uh, the transfer market just doesn't seem to be going our way, and and I'm I'm worried about that. But um, Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the lineup. There are a lot of things to discuss in the game. Whether it's you know the the fact that we actually did create some some good opportunities, we had uh, a lot of possession and shots and things like this, and then also you know the refereeing decisions. And Mike Dean will also be the referee at Old Trafford on Tuesday, which is going to be great. So yes, let's let's talk uh, about the lineup first. Um, were you surprised at all with with just the personnel choices, and then also with the 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 way where people set up with uh, JWP at right back with Diallo and Romeo in the middle and then Redmond up top next to Ings instead of Adams. I suppose Adams dropping out was the kind of biggest personnel shock um, given what we knew about injuries. Um, but I think Adams has looked a little bit tired, um, a little bit fatigued in recent weeks. I don't think it was you know a massive shock as much as it was a kind of bigger one um, from that lineup. I think rather than the lineup from a personnel perspective being a surprise, it was the way they kind of lined up when we saw kickoff. Um, I think most educated guesses had put Diallo as the right back. I think more than anything because he's got good pace and he's shown that in recent games. Um, but it was more Prowse there. Um, and I think that probably had an influence on the goal we could actually. And I think then also having um, Redmond as the kind of partner to Ings rather than Walcott was probably a bit of a shock as well. Um, that certainly took me a little bit of time to kind of work out. So I, I suppose, yeah, more than anything, it was kind of how they'd come out on the pitch rather than the, the lineup specifically. Yeah, yeah. I expected Diallo at right back. And and I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's James Ward-Prowse going to Ralph and saying, look, I've done this before. I'll do it again. Like I'm like as the captain taking responsibility and saying, I'll do this. I will, you know, basically I'll man mark their best player. Um, or if it's Ralph saying, you know, I need you to do that for that same reason. You've done this before. You have a little bit more experience. Um, you know, you've, you've played against him before. And whereas Diallo uh, really has not, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what that decision-making is there. My, my biggest worry about not having Ward Prowse in midfield is, 
is his he's been the constant in there he's he's been there for every minute of the of the season and i i just i just i just worried about us not being able to to move the ball quick enough and you have Romeo and Diallo in there two two guys that i would i guess ca- categorize more as defensive midfielders instead of somebody who can who can pass the ball forward but i i thought they did they did okay and and honestly going forward i thought ward prowse having him out wide to put balls into the, into the box or, 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 you know, crosses and things. I didn't think he was that bad, but he did, uh, he did it, his, his lack of pace definitely played a role in, uh, in the goal that, they, that we conceded. But um, at least, I mean, what, what, what do you think the justification for him going to right back instead of Diallo was, or, or do you think it, do you, and do you, I guess, do you think it was the right decision? I think what is in Ward Prowse's favor is that he has a very kind of, intelligent tactical brain and and quite a lot obviously a lot more experience at Premier League level than Diallo mm-hmm. so I was I'm thinking that that Hasenhutl saw that as the as the big thing in his favour I think we've already seen um, Zaha have a, have a tough game against Paul Prout in that kind of position mm-hmm. um, which may have been the inspiration as well um, but I, I can see why um, why Paul Prout was given it I just thought that the kind of the physical demands of that position might be why he went for Diallo, um, just because Grealish is so good at picking up those little pockets and running off the back of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we saw that for the goal. And I think we saw it repeatedly. They just weren't finding him. Um, so that was my real concern. And and the other problem Ward Prowse has, rather than purely from a defensive perspective, is that because he doesn't have, you know, bag of pace, he often struggles to make those transitions between attack and defence. So even if he's made the correct move in defence, he's not always up the pitch. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's been a massive part of our outlet from an attacking perspective has been Carl Walker-Peters, mm-hmm. you know, being available for those diagonals, kind of um, giving their flank something to, to think about because there's often that really good overload. There's, I don't think there's any real potential to provide that overload when you're playing more crafts in that position. Um so, so yeah, I, I can see why he wanted to do it. And I think, you know, that there isn't an irrational idea. Um, I think I'd have just preferred to put Diallo in there because he's got that pace. And as you said, Ward-Prowse is, is kind of such an important part of the central midfield game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I don't think the decision Ward-Prowse over Diallo has decided the game by any means because I think anyone would struggle with Grealish and in fact probably if we had Walker Peters would still struggle with Grealish because yeah. that's how good he is yeah so as much as it was kind of you know a surprise and perhaps not something I'd have personally done I don't think it's been the kind of deciding factor in the game yeah yeah I think that's fair and uh, like Ralph is going to get criticism for that decision I think no matter what he does but and and more so the the criticism will go up the, the the ladder to the hierarchy for not getting us someone else to play behind Kyle Walker Peters, other than Valerie, who you know Ralph obviously doesn't trust and who looked good, you know, as a midfielder in spells coming on late in games, but um, you know wasn't wasn't given that, and I I can't I would have been I think maybe more disappointed had Diallo gone to the bench, Ward Prowse played next to Romeo, and then. Valerie got get torched by Grealish all match, um, and we sh- I should just say that uh, Matt Target, another former uh, Southampton fullback, also having a very good 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 game against us at St Mary's, 
And uh, luckily this week, Luke Shaw, we're playing away. So um, we'll see if he plays. Um, I can't remember if he's injured or what, but... Um, no, he has an extra game. Yeah. As well. Yeah, Shaw's in very good form. As his target, yep. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> how it is. <laughs> awesome. So if anybody else wants to leave, uh, they can also have a very good time against us if they, if they wish. Um, the other the other big decision I thought Redmond in, instead of Walcott next to Ings you mentioned Adams looked a little bit tired so I don't really think it's a big deal giving him a rest especially with we're gonna have to manage minutes a, bit, a little bit better than we have um, and, and I was I, I, I can honestly say I was happy to see Redmond up top because he's played that second striker role under previous uh, administrations I guess and previous managers and he he never really. I mean, he was never dominant. Uh, he, he doesn't score enough goals, but uh, I thought, you know, he could have done, he can do the pressing. Um, and, and, you know, I, th- I thought it was going to be okay. I, I wouldn't say he had a great game yesterday, but I, I wouldn't say he was, he was terrible by any means. But what did you make of, of, of Redmond playing next to Ings? Um, I thought some of the, the criticism he received during the game was pretty disproportionate, particularly given that he hasn't really had a lot of starts recently due to injury. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think, as you said, he had a brilliant game by any means. Um, but what I do think it did is it gave us something a little bit different up, up front. And I think, to a certain extent, we've become a little bit stale. I think we've become a little bit predictable. And I think teams were starting to work out a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having that kind of dynamic of Redmond being second striker, Walcott and Armstrong kind of milling around, I think we were creating quite interesting positions between the lines. Um and it was kind of making us a little bit less predictable. And I don't think we necessarily, particularly in the first half, did a lot with that. But what I think it did is it gave us kind of opportunities that we weren't opening up before. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he kind of tries that sort of thing again. Um, because it, it was kind of a, a kind of interesting variation on what we've done before. Um but yeah, I, I thought Adam actually looked quite good when he came on, so I have no idea what how he'll line up the next game. Yeah, uh, you know, Redmond was on the ball quite a bit. He had the most carries of any attacking player, uh, and he he carried the ball uh, into into the penalty area more often than anybody else. So it wasn't like he wasn't on the ball um, a lot. But uh, with this, I think of... Redmond often struggles with when he should play the ball. Yes. So actually, he often comes up very high on these carrying stats. Mm-hmm. But in some circumstances, you're like, well, you shouldn't really have carried that because you should have got rid of it quite a long time ago. Yes, yes. And that makes him quite a frustrating watch for a fan's perspective because so many times, if he played it simple and played it sensible, he'd have opened up much more of an opportunity than his numbing touches, which in the end took him down a blind alley or something. Sure. Um, I, think, I think that's what I struggle with with Redman sometimes. Yeah, and if if you give the ball up, kind of right away make the easy pass and then make that maybe that same run that same movement only without the ball because mm. you've because you don't have the ball anymore you you kind of open up the uh a different passing lane and maybe you get the ball back and you're in a better position to shoot and and kind of all on those same lines you know four, he managed four shots yesterday none of them on target um some of them pretty decent chances and and frustrating for him to 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 not come up with something a little bit better at, at times but I, really, I think it comes down to you know Ralph had to put out a lineup that was not first choice based on on the fixtures we have, the injuries we have, and everything else. And I, once again, I thought we, it was about as strong as we could have hoped for. And maybe I, I think maybe our best eleven fit players on the on the pitch 
Um, maybe, maybe make the argument that Adams, Adams should be on there too, but he's obviously uh, probably needs a rest. But um, yeah, that, that, that kind of sums that up, that up for me. And, and overall, I don't think we have a lot to complain about in terms of the performance the team put in. We, we had 60% possession. Um, we managed 20 shots. Uh, the frustrating part, only five of them on target. Uh, so that was a little low. But, I mean, we we played very well for, for portions of the match. And I think it'd be tough to, to remember us playing much better than this in, in the recent past, at least for me. And I don't know, just... An overall summary from you of the match, were you with the performance? I guess were you were you pleased with it? Were you okay with it, or, or how did you feel? I thought the second half was significantly better than the first. I thought the first was had a lot of good build-up play, a lot of kind of interesting interchanges, but we weren't really creating kind of particularly good openings. Um, I thought by the second half, and I think Ralph touched upon it, we were doing much more to be incisive with the ball, mm-hmm. um, and I think. But also kind of Martinez heroics and some pretty damn good blocks from their side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'd have we'd have found at least a goal. Um, and I think that's what makes before you even get onto VAR and what might have happened there. I think that's what makes it so frustrating is that probably for the first time in a while we looked like we were quite capable of scoring goals and, and we haven't managed to, to find one. Um, I thought the <laughs> Dinepo right back decision was was a bit bizarre. Um, and I thought if I was Valerie, I would have been particularly insulted by that. Um, I, I just think, I don't think there are any merits for Gineppo as a right back at all. And I, that's not even to say I don't, I don't think Gineppo is a good player. I think Gineppo has potential as a player, definitely. But you, you just get nothing from him at right back. He, he, <laughs> he just does bizarre things defensively. And then when you finally get him up the pitch, which I guess was kind of his benefit that you could, you know, exploit him in an attacking sense. He just never wants to put a ball in, but would rather just dribble and hope that someone else comes and helps him out. Yeah. Um, and I just thought for all of the problems there may be with Valerie, at least he kind of does kind of conventional right back things. Yeah. We'd have to looking at Jeanette and thinking, what are you doing? Like, please stop. Um, and that, you know, and, and the injuries are a massive part of why that happened. Yeah. But I just, I just thought it got to a point where it's hard and we were just making a point about the window, um, about the recruitment, about the squad, rather than thinking about what actually might benefit the team on the pitch. Um, because I found the whole, the whole performance a bit terrifying, really. From yeah, yeah. And when he came on, I, I had no idea. I mean, the commentators here were talking about you know, does that mean that Stuart Armstrong goes into the middle and, and Janepo goes out wide and then Ward Prowse stays at right back and then all of a sudden it was Janepo at, at right back, Ward Prowse in the middle, Armstrong in his normal spot. And then it just seemed like Janepo was just in acres of space and deciding just to run almost directly like to halfway between the line, uh, uh, the sideline of the penalty area and the sideline of the six yard box. Just like, I'm just going to run to halfway between those two things with the ball and do nothing with it. And it was, it was kind of frustrating. And you look at all the space he had and the time he had, he, he hopefully, you know, as creative as he is, something would have happened, but it just didn't, it didn't come off. But I guess we have to come now. Like the big talking points of the game, obviously are, are there's two VAR decisions that don't go our way and then their goal. And, you know, I guess it's just chronologically Matty Cash's handball 
initially I was yelling at the television. Uh, I thought for sure we would get uh, a penalty out of it and we would for sure go one nil up. And I was just hoping that, you know, we would, we would do that. And like my nerves would calm down and we looked like we deserved a goal at that point because we were already all over them and then it didn't happen. And I, I really struggled for a reason why it didn't happen until somebody pointed out um, that it came off his own thigh and therefore it's, it's not a penalty. And I don't know. Ralph said it was good goalkeeping after the match uh, from him. Um, I saw somebody post up on, on the fantasy thing that, that Maddie cash had one save today, which was nice. Uh, made me laugh. Um, but I mean, for you, what, how frustrating was that? And then, and then I guess, where do you stand on, is that a penalty? And is that explanation of it coming off the thigh a valid one for you? Um, well, first part of that question, how frustrating is it for you? I was mainly to start with just frustrated that they spent so long looking at it because I was like, well, that's a clear handball. Why are we spending three minutes looking at it? <laughs> Turns out it's not. So fine. Um, yes, it's super frustrating. Um, I thought Matthew Cash's own comments after the game said it all really is I think it came off my quad, so you don't actually know. And also, I haven't seen it back yet, which is also okay. not something to say if you're innocent, is it? Um, I think this all comes down to VAR's kind of history with the handball rule, um, especially this season. They started applying the handball rule um, much more kind of literally, kind of objectively at the beginning of the season. And we were seeing about a gazillion penalties a weekend, which clearly was kind of distorting the competition to a certain extent. And so I think most were in favour when they decided that they'd reinterpret it um, for, I think, what they called a softened approach. Um, and that has placed more, more um, emphasis on expected arm positions and, and the ability to react and things, which I think is why there was so much read into the fact it came off Cash's leg. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the rules are pretty clear that if you intentionally move your hand towards the ball, which I think he did, mm-hmm. and the fact that it hits his leg makes absolutely no difference to that. You know, um, it was such a negligible deflection. <laughs> it took us so long to work out it even happened. Um, so he's, he's moved his hand towards the ball, one thing. And there's another part in the rules that says that if, the handle, the arm has made the body unnaturally bigger, mm-hmm. which it also has as well. You know, I think a lot of the Champions League application of the rules has been if it's making, you know, if it's outside the silhouette of your body or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that should be a handle. So it, it applies in that sense as well. So, I mean, the fact it came off his leg is that doesn't have any any kind of influence on either of those. Um, so I'm at, so at an absolute loss to explain why it wasn't given. Um but again, I think it's it's just part of the whole VAR problem with trying to make very um, objective rules and judgments about what is essentially quite a subjective game. Um, and why there has always been contra- controversy about certain decisions and why there will continue to be. And the, the idea that VAR can eliminate those, I think, it kind of almost needs to be forgotten because I, I just don't think it it will work at least not in the current implementation. Yeah. I think you watch how many Saints players immediately were, were appealing for the handball decision and in the lack of Aston Villa players arguing, you know, that it wasn't. And yeah. I think that says you something. A lot of the, re- the reactions. Um, 
And I don't think Aston Villa, I don't think Matty Cash, I don't think anybody could have complained if, if it would have gone against him. Um, it's just, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where I, I was shocked that it didn't happen. And, you know, I tried not to get too down because we were, we were really looking dangerous at that point. Um, and we should say in just a, a bright spot, maybe um, the play from Ings to get it to that point was absolutely beautiful. Um, I forget who was defending him at that point, but he destroyed them with that little touch going around and, and everything. Um, so I thought that that was one of those instances where we, we played the ball really well. We had a decent chance there. Um, but, but cash definitely makes his body bigger, um, with the arm coming out. And I thought that was uh, enough for it to be a penalty until they, you know, argued away on Twitter that it was, uh, it came off his thigh. Um, I don't know. I, that, that, that's, that's where that one goes for me. And it, it's, it's frustrating. Um, and then I guess moving on to, to their goal, um, my Arsenal supporting friend, Josh, uh, pointed out to me that Arsenal played, uh, the most cross field balls, like the most switches of play. Um, they had all season against us, uh, midweek and the, the second most they'd ever done was the first time they played us. And so they had kind of uh, their tactics writer, one of their tactics writers had pointed out that that seemed to be something that, that Mikel Arteta had clued in on, whether it's to, to a way to beat the press or whatever it was. And then if you look at, at the Villa goal, it's Douglas Elise across to target and immediately forward for Grealish, who was in behind Ward-Prowse um, and, and target managed to find him this time. And Grealish put in a beautiful ball. Barkley gets on the end of it. Uh, it was just a nice goal from from Aston Villa, a frustrating one to concede simply because we had been kind of knocking on the door. Um, and but to see us undone that way, it's kind of hard to 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 be really mad at anybody other than you just think that if Ward Prowse was a natural right back or a little bit faster, that probably doesn't happen. Yes, I think I think we spoke about it earlier this whole kind of Ward Prowse versus Diallo right back thing. Um, it was quite clear that. He really should peeled off the back of Warpouse and, and there wasn't a lot he could do to recover from that point. Um, I do think, actually, everyone's spoken about Fialo as a right back. I think um, it looks like Barkley's the one that peels off the back of Fialo. He loses him in the build-up, okay. um, which gives him that that position in the middle of the area to head home. Um, so <laughs> neither of the two people we were debating about uh, really <laughs> kind of covered themselves in glory. But, you know, it wasn't... a awful goal to concede by any means. I think it was nicely constructed by Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of can't really um, complain about it too much. Um, and I think Watkins had already given us a little bit of a warning a couple of minutes earlier when he brandished a wriggling into the box. So mm-hmm. it looked like the kind of dominance of the first half an hour, which again, as I said, we kind of dominated possession but didn't do a huge amount with it um, from a kind of clear-cut openings perspective. Um, I think that had started to kind of ebb away and, and we were seeing opportunities arise. And it was quite clear that although Villa hadn't really done much with the ball in the first half, they were much better at constructing the kind of clearer cut, good quality opportunities, um, kind of with a bit more cutting edge. And I think that their goal was kind of emblematic of that. Um, and obviously it doesn't help um, when you feel like they shouldn't even have 11 men on the pitch. So, um yeah, it, it was a kind of tough one to take before half time, but but not in a position where you thought it was, you know, critical or, or that wasn't, you know, something we could come back from. Mm-hmm. And, and you talking about them not having 11 players on the pitch because you think 
Matty Cash should have been sent off potentially for that? I, I think there's a decent argument that he was sent off. Okay. Um, I, I, they're either down to 10 or, or at the very least, we're 1 0 up, aren't we? That's, uh-huh. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I'm assuming we score it. Actually, um, I was talking to my husband about it um, in the game when I kind of was getting so irate we hadn't got a penalty. He was like, well, you'd have probably missed it anyway because. England more proud don't always score their penalties, do they? Um, <laughs> I don't know if he was just winding me up, but I did, it did make me think that maybe I shouldn't have just assumed it, was, it would have been a goal. Um, but, yeah, I think there's that, that bitterness is particularly rammed home when you can see and think, well, should we have conceded? Should we be 1-0 down? Um, but there we go. That's how it is. But I didn't think that it was something that would... Kind of, I didn't think that would be the final goal in the game, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought there was definitely going to be some other scoring happening. And, and even if we, do, if we do get a penalty, that that's our best chance of the game, right? Like, that's going to be yeah. XG-wise ex- and everything else. That's the one, like, even if it doesn't go in, it's, it's, it's going to be, and that would have put our XG somewhere around three for the, for the day had we gotten a penalty there. So, um, you know, I, I think we... We'll we'll take that that chance. Uh, you, you mentioned Villa creating a couple of chances. They created several chances just in that that forty forty one forty two minute mark towards the end of the half when we seemed to tire a little bit, um, and and that's when the, I guess they they took advantage of that. And it that that Barkley header is not easy, right? Like the the cross has to be there. He's running he is running free, so I guess that that is uh, makes it slightly. Uh, a, a better opportunity for him, uh, for Barkley. And then he does have to stretch to get his head to it. It's a good header. Um, and, you know, I, I, I just looking at that, that Villa midfield, like Barkley, I always kind of admired when he was at, at Chelsea. I think he, he could have, he could be better than he, than he is probably. Uh, but watching Grealish run with the ball is always really nice unless he's running at, at your own team and then it's not so great. Um, but I mean, they looked, they looked decent for, for portions when they were attacking. Um, even though we, we had most of the ball and created, um, a lot of opportunities, like you said, just not uh, a lot of better than we had some shots from 35 yards out, one, two, three, four, four or five of them. I, I don't really know what we were doing, but, um, you know, whatever, uh, have a whack guys. Cause we're not scoring anyway. Um, and, and then I guess onto the one where we, we should have scored and, and we did score and Ings did manage a, a goal and stoppage time. Um, and I, I guess, what what what's what did you see in that in that offside decision that went against us? How how did that to you? How did, how does that justified by by the officials or by VAR or or is it still not? Um, I I'm less angry about this one, um, mainly because I don't think it's a clear cut decision one way or another, which I felt that the cash handball was. Um, I am still quite uncomfortable. With the way VAR legislates on offside, um, I think there is too much margin for error for how exact they're applying it. Mm-hmm. Um, from the perspective, their lines don't ever seem that kind of exact, if I'm honest. Like there, there were a few freeze frames yesterday where the lines didn't even seem to be kind of parallel. I didn't really understand it. And also, I'm never quite sure if they've frozen the frame at the right split second, mm-hmm. or even if that they have the technology that can even do that. Um, because I've I've seen that that um, Ings opportunity multiple times, and I'm not even clear that the ball has. I think the ball's already left his foot, um, so I have that problem with it as well. 
Um, I know some leagues, I think it's the MLS. Is it the MLS? You'd be able to tell me. They don't apply it with the same kind of exacting standards, do they? I have no idea. I haven't watched an MLS uh, fixture in a while. Sorry. I'm just thinking that I just don't know how exact, how it can be that exact with what it, what's available to it. Um, I, I think this sleeve nonsense is just a bit bizarre because I can't remember the last time I saw a player score with that part of their arm and it not be given a lot as handball. I right. think once you get the kind of sleeve length, that's quite a long way down your down your shoulder, isn't it? Down your arm. Yeah. I, I'm not even sure that's the right line. Like, we've gone from the armpit earlier in the season to this kind of sleeve line now. The armpit I already had a problem with because I thought that that was a bit ridiculous because how many people score at the top of their shoulder anyway. Yeah. Now, now we're seeking down the arm, which is already a bit weird. Um, and, yeah, I just, I find the whole thing just a little bit weird. Um, I think you mentioned before we came on that you wondered if it was because the offside flag had gone up and they were almost kind of looking for a way to legitimize it, yeah. which is highly possible. Um, but, but, yeah, I just, I just find the whole situation a bit weird rather than, you know, particularly disgusting, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, me trying to make sense of it to myself, at least, it when we were watching, as soon as as soon as Ing scored, he puts his hands on his head because the the linesman puts his flag up straight away. And I think you know the the goal is going to be checked for offside no matter what. But in, in like American football, like I like from several years ago when they first started reviewing stuff, they would you know. It, there has to be evidence to overturn the call on the field. Like there has to be kind of clear and compelling evidence or whatever. Um, and because they put their flag up, that means that, you know, they, they have to basically see a clear and obvious error there. And there's not, I think you can call that either way. Um, I think in, in the, in the era pre VAR, the, the linesman may not put his flag up there because it's so close and, and we're, we're going to analyze it. They're watching it in real time. There's almost, I mean, there's so many things um, to to talk about, and, and and so many places where it could go wrong, and so many places for them to get it wrong, and and I just think that because they put their flag up um, initially, that meant that they were never going to overturn that. Um, it still took them a long time. I, I, you know, it is Mike Dean, <laughs> so two big VAR decisions don't go our way. Um, but Lee Mason and Mike Dean double teamed us yesterday in a way that I, I, I didn't want to see. Um, but yeah, and, and I, I do appreciate everybody uh, coming up with new, new concept kits for us next year, having no sleeves, uh, which I think would be great to watch some of the guys run around in Burnley in February with no sleeves. Be awesome. Um, but anyway, uh, it, I, I was frustrated by that one. And, and I think it was only compounded because we had lost out on that VAR decision earlier. And so it just felt like things were piling up um, on us. And, and that was, I guess that was frustrating. And that's also at the time, time of the game, you realize like we probably don't have very many more chances and to think you've scored and to think you've, you've gotten a point back when you've been hard done by early in the match and you, you've created the, you know, the better chances, I think. And then to have that, to have that happen was just, was just frustrating. And as I said before, I was, by the end of it, I was just tired. I was just tired of, of, I, would, I wanted to take a nap, but instead I had coffee and didn't take a nap, which I should, probably should have. I probably should have flipped that or started drinking alcohol, but it was still semi-early. Um, anyway, uh, 
And, and so for me at the final whistle, I was tired. I was, I was a little bit frustrated, but I was more just, just kind of just over it. I was just over, like the game just didn't seem to go well. We were not having a very good run of it. Um, and then as the injuries piled on towards the end of the game, things just tended to get worse for us, I think. Yeah, I mean, the injuries really did add insult to injury in an injury way. <laughs> I realize that, that adding insult to injury doesn't really work when you're talking about injuries. But you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I think to come up with no goals and no points was hard enough, but to then have yet more injury problems in what has been one of the most injury-laden seasons I can think of in years, um, yeah, really does make it quite a bit of pill to swallow. And, and it does leave you wondering... A about the window of whether we should have done something more, um, and B where we go from here, especially whether it when it looks like we've got Romeo and Diallo out at the same time, mm-hmm. um, which could be very interesting. But yeah, as the injuries have been a worry all season, and I I was hopeful that as we were starting to get people back, you know, we've got Romeo back and we've got Redmond back, and I, I was hoping we kind of turned a corner from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it looks like that's not that's not going to be the case. Um, which, yeah, kind of piles on the negative. It means you, it's much more difficult to leave that negativity behind you, isn't it? Yeah. When you think it's probably going to have a more long term impact. Yeah, and I mean, things I've been thinking about is is our XG. We have questions about it. You know, we've been outperforming it for some time. Um, so it's it's not a surprise really that the goals have dried up that much. Um, and then also with the small squad, we like we you have to know we're going to pick up injuries. And and I also I look at, at the board and I look at at you know the lack of players coming in, you know in, in large numbers. And you, and you I kind of understand that they, they, it can't happen. We can't bring everybody in that we want. And Ralph understands that. Ralph knows that. But it doesn't make it any easier to stomach when you're looking at, you know, Ralph's brought through or brought in, uh, had on the bench and and given minutes to guys from the academy we've he, it's not like he is only playing the same 11 people even though he definitely favors them and and there are times that i think he's he's had an over reliance on players or played them too many minutes i think like we wait sometimes one match too long to give somebody a rest um and but I, then again i don't have the sports science data and the monitoring that they have and um I'm not talking to the players every day. Like I don't, so I don't know that stuff, but that's just kind of my, my feeling on it. And, and we're in the middle of a run of fixtures right now that it, that was always going to be hard for the team. The, the, the matches we're playing are difficult. The, the, the time that they we're playing them in, in terms of the, the lack of days off and things like that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not overly surprised that the, this season we've seen a ton of injuries around the league. Um, people going down with muscle injuries and, and like that, uh, things like that more often than, than in previous seasons. And you just kind of go like, I'm not sure what I, what I want Ralph to do, but I, I want him to fix it. Like I want, I want something to happen so that we are better equipped to, to kind of finish the season the way we started it versus kind of where we are right now. And I mean, we're sitting 11th in the table if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, given the squad we have and everything else, like is is eleventh okay? I probably would have said yes, and I probably would have said like that that's fine. But I think I got excited just like everybody else did based on the way we were playing, and you know we were top of the table for a couple of days and things like that. Like those to 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 kind of fall from that, I think I think it makes all of this harder to stomach. But 
I guess maybe in, in, in perspective of what the club looked like financially and, and, and not, not taking any pressure off of Gao to actually do something. But um, you look at some of those transfers, they just think, you know, Wesley Hoot, the fact that we had to, to, to cut a deal with Guido Carrillo and, and, you know, what we w- must have had to pay him uh, to, to leave. Um, the same thing with Jordi Classy, the same thing with the last three managers we've had. Like we've, we've outlaid a lot of money there. And, and so the club has been limited in what they can do. Then they get hit with a pandemic. I'm not, I'm not ranting, but I have all of these kind of ideas in my head that like, you know, what, what, what more, what do you want them to do other than, you know, you want, you want the owner just to dip into his pocket and give you, you know, $60 million to go out in the transfer market. And I don't, I don't think any of us ever realistically thought that was going to happen. Sorry. Is there a question? No. Should I just go? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Do you think there are some unrealistic expectations of what the owner is there to do and whether an owner should have to accept a, basically losing their own money to, to run a Premier League football club? As much as that's true, and as much as I think there are uh, problems with that, and I think you know, the idea of having a kind of um, a, a club that looks after itself and doesn't need to be kind of doesn't need to have some kind of sugar daddy is 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 a good one. I do think um, you need a bigger squad, um, and and to a certain extent, I don't think it needs to be a squad that is filled with superstars that are very expensive or have very high wages. But we we skim down our squad to to, to not a lot, partly at the manager's request. He, he you know, Hasnut was very open about the fact that when he arrived, he felt the squad was way too bloated. It was too big and he wasn't interested in playing that many players. But I feel like we possibly went too far the other way. We kind of skimmed it all down and we probably left ourselves a little bit short. Um, now, I didn't expect us to then go into this window and spend £30 million on, you know, a couple of players because that realistically isn't going to happen. It's not something with finance. What I did wonder was if we might see a few kind of low costs or perhaps loans. I don't know, the Niles was linked to last couple of days um you know either low cost or loans that would give us just a little bit of breathing space because the problem we're having now is not only do we have players missing uh which is a problem in in itself and i think um vestigard in particular has been a huge miss um not only is that a problem but it has such a knock-on effect on the other players i think shay adams has been one of the big players that because he's been fit nearly all the time apart from that concussion um he just looks so tired. And I think a lot of the players that haven't had injury problems are a long way off the level they would otherwise be because they just don't get any kind of break. And so I just thought there should be something done in this market. And I know it's a very difficult market to operate in. And I know we have, you know, the impacts of the pandemic and a, and a pretty poor financial review. Um, and I'm, I'm really kind of expecting anything huge. But I just thought there, there needed to be some kind of very realistic practical measures taken to try and just just alleviate some of the pressure yeah um but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case um and i think it's going to just be a bit rough for a few weeks until we start getting on top of things um and i I think it'll become clearer where we are once we know a bit more about the injuries we picked up last night as well yeah uh, i think we, we i mean we could be in trouble i mean we're we have, I think, four games over the next two weeks, and then it kind of lightens up a little bit. Depends slightly on on 
whether or not we get through that that fifth round FA Cup match against Wolves. Um, but I mean, I, I wouldn't say we're in danger of, of slipping into a relegation, but I don't think we're there. No, no, no. But no, a long way off. Um, what we're on twenty nine, Paul. Yeah, I think so. You'd expect. No, I don't think there's any doubt that we'll <laughs> get eleven more. Uh, any doubt that we'll get the the, the kind of 12, eleven or twelve points that you need to be sure. Um, and I think you're right that I think eleventh wouldn't have been particularly problematic at the beginning of the season. I think I hoped that we'd get between twelfth and ninth, and that's not very under that. Um, I think it's just the disappointment, that kind of feeling of having lost momentum, um, and and the Nate and the way it's happened. I think. It's not necessarily, although we haven't scored as many goals, it feels like a lot of that is attributable to the kind of squad um, problems more so than, than as the fault of our play, I suppose. So I think that's the frustration that perhaps if we'd been a little better prepared, we might be in a higher position. That said, if we were in a higher position, we were looking at Europa League or whatever. <laughs> if you think the squad's got problems now, you're probably going to get Europa League season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we 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 there was no chance. There's no chance we could we could survive, um, and that might be dramatic. But I think if if you look at, I think of us going back uh, to that season with Claude Puel, they had to build up that that team, that squad, to be big enough to play Europa League football, and then they didn't go far enough, so like those guys didn't get game time. We didn't qualify again, and all of a sudden now you have all these guys who want game time, and we we don't have game time to give them, and. Then you, we kind of have the opposite. We kind of have the opposite uh, thing now, where we we don't have a squad that's big enough to to cope with this. And if the season is is I guess stretched out over the normal kind of time frame, maybe maybe it's not as bad. Maybe we get by with it. But you're you're kind of playing with fire the whole time because it just takes one or two injuries, and then all of a sudden you see three guys go down in one match uh, when we're already dealing with an injury crisis. And and now you have a a, a kid who handed in a transfer request on Wednesday. And got on the pitch on Saturday, and now it looks like he may be starting on Tuesday. Um, you know that that's where we're at, and that's not that's not great. Um, that doesn't that doesn't doesn't feel great for going forward. Doesn't 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 feel like that that's where we want to be. Um, if you're okay, let's 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 go on to talk about some of these questions that we have. If, if that's all right, unless there's anything else you want to add, I feel. I feel bad because there are a couple of people who messaged me like, I can't wait for like your, your, you know, they, they appreciate the positivity. Uh, and I try to be positive most times and I'm a little You've frustrated really at this point. Break, so. What's that? You've really struggled to be positive this week. I have, I have, it's, it's been a weird, it's been a weird week and it, it could be, I mean, I live in California. It, I, I know we need the rain and I don't mind the rain, but it's the first time it's rained for, um, a long time. And we've had rain basically for like three or four solid days and a lot of rain um, to the point where like my, my active minutes per, the, per week are usually somewhere between 650 and 700. And this week I'm at, I'm struggling to get to 300. So like I haven't, there, there are a lot of things. It could ju- it's not just us. It's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of stuff that's, that's coming. And it's the end of the month, which means all the bills are due. Everything's there. Everything's hitting all at once. That's just all it is. That's, that's what it is. So I apologize. But let's, let's go with some questions. Um, and this will be a good one to start with. Christian Candler says, um, what is the best way to de-stress after a frustrating series of events? Asking for a friend. So what did you do last night to help de-stress? I had a very long bath. It was very nice. It was bubbly and peaceful and a long way from my phone or, you know, Twitter or 
any other debate. It was quite nice. It was, it was a cleansing experience in many ways. Um, I did think about pouring myself a gin, but I thought that could be a slippery slope that I probably shouldn't go down. So I, I resisted that temptation and, and kept it clean. I, I had had too much to drink the night before. Uh, my neighbor had his birthday, so we did some socially distanced beer drinking and um, I was not going to have a drink, but I did have, I, I, I made a nice cup of coffee uh, and I read a book. That's what I did. And it was, it was great. Um, and, and then I stepped, oh, actually, and, and I looked for videos of the dog that was, I posted one on Twitter because the dog was barking at the chickens for no reason. And that was nice to just look at how cute she is, even though I hate her. Um, let's see. Stephen White says, we knew we were outperforming XG early in the season. Is our current league position fair? Um, what do you, what do you, I mean, I, I'd say. It's just one, isn't it? Yeah. Because I think if you're a good team, outperforming XG a little bit isn't, isn't a bad thing. If you see what I mean? Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of why we were outperforming XG was, for example, Ward Prowse scores ridiculous free kicks uh-huh. and Danny Ings doesn't need a lot of a chance to score a goal. Right. Um, so I think there's almost kind of indications that you're doing well to a certain extent if you're outperforming it. Um, then again, I think there was a possibility we weren't creating enough clear-cut opportunities, kind of obvious goal-scoring opportunities, so that when free kicks stopped going in, when Vestergaard wasn't available to knock in some set pieces, when Ings was injured, um, things probably went downhill a little quicker than you'd expect, and it, it, it feels like it swings on you quite a lot. Yeah. Um, I think we're a bit better than 11th on performances so far. Um, but I, I don't, I, as we kind of mentioned earlier, I don't think it's critical. I think in reality, 8th is about as high as we could have expected. So 11th doesn't really have much of an impact on that. Um, we're certainly not ready for your Europa League campaigns we've spoken about. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. I always kind of struggle with this idea of kind of tracking performance against XG. Um, but, but, but but perhaps, you know, we were doing a bit of a, a, bit of a downturn. I, I don't know what, what your thoughts on that. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't think we've created enough. We've been creating enough clear opportunities. Um, and if you kind of look at our XG versus... Um, like the difference between our XG and our goals scored, um, we have the widest margin of anybody in the Premier League. And on the other end of the of the spectrum is Sheffield United. Um, and but but then you look at at teams that are kind of all throughout the table, and and, and outperforming your XG a little bit is fine. Like that's that's the, it's not a perfect kind of thing. It's not it's not going to be one for one. Um, but you know, I just I, I look at the you know. WordPress scoring free kicks. I mean, he was the first person to score two direct free kicks in the same half, I think in the premier league period, uh, I think was the stat. And, and there's a reason for that because it's not something that it, it, those, those are low percentage chances. Um, and, and I think the more concerning thing for me is that we're just not creating chances from open play. We're, we're relying on set pieces and corners and things like that. Um, and that is, I think, worrying. So we are, Go ahead. It's looking pretty bad if WordPress gets injured. Yeah, yeah. Just because um, even when he doesn't score free kicks, 
Yeah, you know, there's the indirect free kicks or the corners or it always, it almost always comes out of something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Related to the set piece. Yeah. Um, he's made of iron is, is probably a great blessing, really. Which made all, which made it even stranger that Bertrand was taking corners from one side yesterday, but maybe that's because of the position where Prowse was playing or that uh, they had noticed something on set pieces for the way Martinez defends or Aston Villa defender, whatever. Um, but uh, we have some similar questions here. Uh, a guy named Geography Tom Nine on Twitter. No, I've never heard of him. Think, I think you know him. Uh, he says, why have the goals dried up? And we also have one from Fred Lazaro, 2011, says, where have all the goals gone? Um, and one of those is a patron of the show, and one of them is your husband. Um, so we can answer them both at the same time. But what, uh, you know, I think... I think we've, we've kind of touched them, haven't we? Yeah. We aren't really, you know, for a And until we do, we're probably not going to score that many. Um, I think also, if we, if we are talking about set pieces being an important contribution to our goals... Um, Vestergaard's threat was a really important part of that at the beginning of the season um, he clearly worked a lot on his contribution in attacking areas from those kind of situations mm-hmm. um, so that's another loss I think Vestergaard being absent has also meant that we, we've lost a kind of really important part of our build up play in his kind of willingness to take midfielders out of the game to kind of bring the ball out commit, yes. new, commit other players um, those really great diagonals that he was picking out for Walker Peters, they're gone, and Walker Peters is gone. I think the injuries are a really important part of, of why we've, we've struggled. Um, yeah. I think, and I, I feel like I'm regurgitating once another, but you know, if you have those injuries, you then can't rotate your squad. So when you've got players in bad form or you think they could have done more in a game, you can't really change it. And we also had quite a few games where I felt like we were, we were kind of getting on top of the teams, but we didn't have any way to kind of um, capitalise on that because we couldn't make any decent substitutions. For a few weeks, it felt like our bench was academy players plus Shane Long, and I just don't think you can you can really expect to change a game or kind of find something new when when that's all you've got to fall back on. Um, so yeah, I think there are there are quite a number of reasons why we aren't scoring like we were um, because I think if there was one simple reason as to why we weren't scoring more Ralph would have done something about it Yeah. Um, I think there's also and I think what I was talking about right at the beginning is that we are much more familiar for teams than we were a year ago in, mm-hmm. the, in the way we approach games I think teams are working out kind of some of our triggers for a press um, what we're slightly likely to do when they, they have their foot on the ball in defence um, and kind of ways to work around that press. Um, I think counter-pressing as a, a general theme is becoming a much more important part of coaching. And so I think had even had we you know been fully fit, had everyone available, um, we still probably would have experienced some kind of downturn but I think you know there are there are a multitude of other factors that are kind of stacking it up against us. Um, that said, yesterday I think we did create enough to score. So yeah. you know, there's there's only so much you can legislate for. But, I mean, some of it's just bad luck uh, sure. or, or great goalkeeping. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say that 
that we have a couple of other questions that are along the same lines. Like, is it the injuries that are keeping us from winning games or has our system been figured out? And I definitely think that the system has been figured out. That's what happens. And, and, but if you look at the job, I think that Ralph has done since he's come into the team, he solidified us uh, a little bit more defensively. He's, he's turned some players and, and, and improved some players in various ways. Um, and I think that with each step that, that he's been able to figure it out. And so this now, because we were kind of not having the same opportunity to uh, press the team in midfield, uh, force a turnover, make one pass and have Danny Ng score a low percentage shot, because that's not now really a, a possibility every game that the next step will be us creating better chances more consistently. And I think it's going to take time because the players have to learn that step. And I thought yesterday against Villa, um, which people won't hear this until, until Tuesday, but um, I thought yesterday against Villa several times, Armstrong was kind of getting to a spot and then was able to cut it back. And we were having, uh, we we had men in the box, we had uh, chances to shoot and they, you know, they didn't come off. We didn't score, but they were, you know, they, they were better opportunities, even though they weren't great. They, they were better opportunities than we have created in recent weeks. And I think that's, that's a positive that we can take from that is that the guys are going to have to work to, to figure those things out. And it's, it's going to be kind of a mess because we have so many injuries and, you know, we could see Geneva playing right back, uh, which scares uh, everybody, but the opposition, I think. Um, and then, you know, but I, but I, I have confidence in Ralph. Like there's no reason for me to doubt that Ralph will do everything he can to, to turn the team around because um, he hasn't given me any reason to. And the only thing I'm, I am maybe worried about now based on his comments yesterday where he said, um, you know, good players cost money and we don't have any money. Uh, you, you look at, at, at what, what, what happened to Kuman and, and the fact that he walked away and you wonder, you know, are we, are we going to wind up approaching that same situation? Because uh, I, I don't know. And there's, it's all speculation. There's no way for me to, to for me to, to, to know that. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, the only other question because uh, we don't really need to talk about Mike Dean. Um, I just want to say, like, I'm a bald white dude. Uh, Lee Mason's a bald white dude. Mike Dean's a bald white dude. Not all bald white dudes uh, are, are are bad people. Um, so don't take it out on all of us. Um, just need to get that out important there. important thing there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> although there are a lot of bad bald white dudes out there. So, like, you, if you were to see me and, like, immediately think bad person, like, I, I'll change your mind eventually, but, like, that, that's okay. Um, can can we talk? Voldemort's another one. Yeah, yeah. I see. I've never seen or read any of that, so I don't know. No. No, I'm not. I'm not haven't done it. Oh wow, that's lost on you that reference then. So I'll carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I have a question. So we did have uh, you know, a player. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. I think it's Jakanovitz. Jakanovitz. Jankovitz. Yankovitz. Um, the, the pronunciation that the, the NBC commentator went with yesterday, it was not the same name, even remotely. And I questioned myself because he's a professional, but then I just went like, no, looking at that, like, that's not, that's not it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yankovitz or Yankovitz or Yankovitz. I don't know. Yeah. I know what you're talking about though. The guy that handed in his transfer request. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, he is from Switzerland, right? So, like, he handed a transfer request to go back to Switzerland. So maybe there's something there. 
Maybe it's that he's watched everybody else from the from his team get called up and get playing time, and he hasn't. Um, but then he gets in the, he gets in the team yesterday, and he gets on the pitch, and it looks like he may actually um, get a start. So maybe maybe handing in the transfer request, as Justin Woodruff points out, is the way to get uh, to get to get a start uh, or to get you to get to get noticed. Maybe if you tell your boss, "Hey, I want to." I want a raise, then you get a raise, right? Yeah. I don't know. I think I think that's fine. Um, I don't I don't really know if we have to discuss um anything else. Uh, we have one more at the bottom it says, "How could we lose to Villa um, by them having a really good goalkeeper performance, by us not taking our chances, and by uh, a couple of VAR decisions that didn't go our way, and just a frustrating, frustrating evening." Um, you know, I, I was not happy after we beat Villa four three because of the the defensive kind of falling apart we did in the second half i was really angry after that game and i was i was just as tired and angry after this one as well which is not not that not it's not how i want to end um you know saturday afternoons this was this was a noon kickoff for me it's not it wasn't like i had all day but it was most of the day still anyway um i don't know lucy i'm sorry to subject you to just me ranting and not asking you questions i mean i'm developing a bad habit of doing that um and usually I'm able to cut it out, but I don't think I'm going to be able to cut that one out. So I, I apologize. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you, do you have anything else you want to add? I mean, is there anything? I don't think so. I think it was pretty comprehensive. Yeah. I was, I was worried about, about this just because there's, there's so many things that we, we have to do. And, and of course, between the time we record and the time this comes out, we'll, we'll have some sort of uh conclusion to the transfer window so we'll see if anybody comes in whether it's Ainsley Maitland-Niles whether it's it's anybody but we we desperately need somebody even if it's on loan but um anyone we'll take anyone yeah unless they're from Newcastle um yeah we won't think that far I don't know if I want anybody from Newcastle um but yeah and then we have to we have to play that game which is always fun in your household uh just a not 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 long so um anyway I, I want to say thank you to you for, for, for doing this. I, I appreciate it. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and I appreciate your, uh, your fantasy football advice uh, that I subject to you. I make you ask, answer questions every, every week because I can't make decisions on my own. So um, if I finish inside the top million, it'll be all because of you. <laughs> Dream big. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on Matt. It's, it's been a pleasure as always, even, even if the result isn't what we'd like to talk about. Um, and hopefully we'll see something happen in this last day of the window. Yeah, we can look forward to that. And hopefully, um, you know, we, we win the Carl Anker Derby uh, on on uh, on Tuesday. That'd be nice. But uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. So, um, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll do this again as long as you're up for it. And uh, thank you. And, and I'll talk to you soon. You too. Thanks, Matt. that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Lucy Heinet. You can find her on Twitter at Lucy Heinet. Uh, if you're on Twitter and you listen to this show and you don't follow her, you probably should because um, you just should. So thanks to Lucy for coming on. Thank you to all of you for your questions. Sorry we didn't get to them all. There's a lot to cover this week and um, I'm not sure we got there, but uh, we tried. The show would be impossible without the patrons of the show. So thank you for your financial contributions uh, that help keep the show going. Uh, 
Thank you to all of you who are listening as well. And thank you to the Southampton page for keeping me up to date with everything that goes on around the club, whether it's the transfer window or match day. Uh, you always have the news that I need to make sure that I'm up to date with everything going on at the club. And I appreciate that. Additional thanks goes out to the Saints Archive for partnering with the show. Use the link in the show notes to get in touch with them. Uh, Join a Facebook group uh, that's over 6,000 strong that includes former pros and uh, a lot of really nice people. You can listen to the show wherever you get your podcast, but if you listen somewhere where you can leave a review, please do that. It helps new people find out about the show, and I truly appreciate it. If you have a question or a guest suggestion, please get in touch and let me know. We'll be back next week to discuss the match against Newcastle. So once again, thank you for listening. And until next time, remember that together, we march on.